Welcome back to the Ninja Talks podcast, a show for curious minds highlighting learning and tips that help experts evolve better. Have you ever wondered what goes behind maintaining social media platforms for a billion people? Well, that's exactly what we are going to talk about in episode 10, Social Media Beyond Gratification. This is Sne. And this is Ria. Our today's ninja guest is Irini Katsivila. Policy Escalation Specialist at Netflix. Welcome, Irini, to the Ninja Talks podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. Uh, It's been a pleasure, and I hope I'll be able to share my journey and share insights from what I've done in the past. So, Irini... You have unlocked uh, great opportunities and groundbreaking contribution towards your interest. So what advice would you like to give to someone on learning, exploration and opportunities to grow more? This is actually a great question. I would like to start with my educational background, which is specifically in mechanical engineering. I know that especially in India, Mm -hmm. there is this culture of growing and educating yourself in the engineering section. And I'm going to be frank with you, I'm a college dropout. I was born and raised in Greece, in Athens specifically. And again, studying engineering is something very wanted from families. It's something that is going to bring you good um, future uh, jobs and like it's going to be something worth studying but unfortunately that wasn't my personal interest and it was something i realized quite early on during my studies so i decided that instead of focusing my efforts in studying something that wasn't really aligned with how i wanted to see myself in the future uh, i put my focus and energy in building communities through facebook and i started that back in 2010 which was something kind of brand new I joined Facebook in 2007 as a user, but I could understand very, very quickly how big the potential was. And this is how I started my journey. I built a big network of pages that they were viral in Greece. So I started discovering that in order to make these pages even more viral, I had to create content that would be appealing to the communities that they were sharing the same interests with the pages, with the content through the pages. And afterwards, I started monetizing this by creating websites and uh, creating affiliations, either with ads companies or uh, other types of synergies with partners. And specifically, uh, for example, other publishers or individuals that they wanted to share ads or products through the pages and the website. And that was essentially something that happened accidentally, but I learned a lot out of this because it was a really brand new thing for me. Of course, I was carrying with me all the analytical skills, the understanding of how to build something. Essentially, I finished the four first years of my studies, which is equal to a bachelor's, but specifically in Greece, the engineering degrees require five years of completion in order to get your degree which after equals to a master's so 
Unfortunately, I didn't want to dedicate the, the extra final year to get that degree. And instead I put my efforts and my time in something kind of broader, something a bit newer, something unexplored, but also kind of sexy because I could easily realize that there were many, many companies and publishers that they were interested in what I was doing, my methodology, and it eventually became something bigger because I started giving insights and trainings to other publishers and product owners and website owners. So it was actually something accidental that grew up to be something very fruitful. Wow, what a journey starting from something which was purely non-technical what was the moment that you realized now i want to just dive into this and what were the forces behind it that's also a great question so when you're essentially diving into something new there is a really high risk and the only thing that you need to assess what is the return on your investment so early on i could realize from a financial perspective my earnings were pretty high and it was kind of unbelievable in the beginning that I wasn't expecting to be to become something that strong but it was still unclear for the first one year whether it would be something that I wanted to invest in the long term uh, essentially I had to prioritize what were my personal interests as a person and the only thing I knew for sure was that engineering was not that anthropocentric, like that focusing on people and how to um, understand them, how to please them with really um, groundbreaking content or content that would make them want to come back again and again, either to the pages or the websites. So I felt that it was my personal game. I understand that, of course, now it's like, a really big uh, industry, marketing and special social media marketing has become the hype. But back then for me, it was kind of my personal game on how to attract more people with different techniques. Of course, I had to follow the, the, the traditional methodologies from traditional media, like um, whatever were the tactics, for example, from uh, radio or for from the TV and afterwards somehow tried to apply this to digital and especially social media. Oh, that's wonderful. Great to hear that. So as you mentioned that you, you have already followed the traditional methodologies and at an early age, how did you balance your uh, priorities and push yourself to turn your decision into a success? Thanks so much. So essentially, you need to prioritize by in the beginning, my focus was to gain to increase my financial gains. I think it kind of makes sense that once you're like seeing how things work, you want to build it and make it even bigger. However, there were uh, there were timely restrictions. I was one person and it wasn't really easy for me to deal with different operations of that business. So after two years, I, I decided actually to hire some contractors that would help me with the creation of content. And then they would help me also with building the website and updating it and creating uh, content there as well. And my job was, was essentially to train them 
to make them understand what was the concept behind what they were doing, monitor afterwards their work in order to see whether the, the operation through the pages and the website were going correctly. And then I put my efforts in understanding the business in terms of metrics. Like I I'm, have always been good at understanding data. Um, that's not my expertise, but I have a good understanding. I want somehow to be able to connect the big picture with data and the tactical stuff that you can improve. Because if you have a vision to take a business forward, then you need to be able to combine certain criteria and certain things within that business model that you've built. You've been involved with multiple people doing adventurous things, working with different, different kinds of strategies, understanding data and more. What tips would you like to share with our audience that would help them understand what comes next, how to take steps or how to take decisions or something that is useful for emerging professionals or wannabe entrepreneurs? My first advice would be be curious and expose yourself to whatever makes you feel intrigued. It's something very, very important and at least it has worked for me. I know that people not necessarily operate well or perform well just because they're naturally curious about something. But I think if you have this added element of being like generally interested and curious about something, this is like the, the spice that is going to make your recipe work. But apart from this, take informed decisions. So in order to be able to take the informed decisions, you need to have as much context possible. Don't expect your university or your high school or your colleagues to be able to provide you the information that you want to have. You need to search it yourself. You need to be able to build this context around you that will make you essentially take the correct decision later. So stay informed, stay up to date with what is happening and also keep yourself reminded of what was the historical context because things have evolved so afterwards you can somehow connect the dots on perhaps how the future might be take risks calculate these risks but take some risks because nothing is going to be given to you in the plate very beautiful this is really important to realize for people and someone who is probably planning to start or just starting since you hold a strong community background, activities you have been involved with in earlier stage and since we are talking about this, the pandemic has pushed us to move our community existence completely online and it's a completely different ballgame. What comes to your mind when you think about online community activities since people are physically disconnected essentially in these terms? So, what brings that charm in the online space? Yes, that's actually a very interesting question. Throughout history, digital marketing and social media marketing has been a remote experience. It's not that marketeers are going to interact directly with their audience. So in order to enhance this experience, they need to be able to empathize with the phase and the situation that we're under. Uh, of course, it's unprecedented times. It's something that nobody has ever experienced from our generation. So they need to be able to show that they care about the different aspects of the different types of lives that everyone is living. 
in order to be able to address this, you need to put yourself in those people's shoes and perhaps like try to even make it lighter. I can see, for example, at Facebook, there is a huge growth of meme groups that they're sharing all the struggles or like their experience throughout this period. So yes, that would be my, my advice. Oh, that's wonderful. How does this escalation policy benefit to the growth of a company? That's true. I understand that not many people are aware of what policy escalations mean. And that's why I want to shed a bit light into this so that you have a better understanding. And I believe in the future, this is going to be something necessary, especially for the big companies that they have they are dealing with very really complex problems and with specific requirements or different policies. So I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to tell you that I started my journey in policy escalations where I was at Facebook. And specifically there I was working on requests that they were coming from regulatory agencies, from NGOs, from activists. And they were asking us to take down either specific type of content or uh, a profile, something that was violating per the Facebook's policies. You understand that the policies at Facebook are a lot. They're very, very detailed. They're very granular. There are also cases that uh, they might be specific to a country because there are also specific regulations in each country. So my job was essentially to address these issues, try to be able to investigate and go a bit deeper to understand where was the violation, if there was any violation, if something was legal or illegal in a specific country, and afterwards see what were the legal implications. Because, of course, when you're working for a company in that specific position, you need to be able to support the company. You need to be able to protect the company from, for example, facing a lawsuit in the future. So the thing that you need to be able to do is to investigate whether an allegation has been correct or not, and afterwards work with the appropriate teams to find scalable solutions. Because essentially you're trying to prevent this from happening in the future. And this is something that takes a lot of data analysis, collecting insights, analyzing them, and then finding the patterns behind them. And afterwards, like solving the problem in a much more scalable way. Since you're agreeing into certain terms of use, you should read these terms of use. <laughs> I understand that is a very long thing and something that everyone is skipping very fast, but you. you need to be able to read these things there are not even fine lines. There is something like very specifically written from the legal teams of each company. And you need to be able to support yourself when you're taking an action against the company. So I cannot elaborate more on the policies that we have at Facebook because they are very, very, very long and very detailed. But I believe that both for Facebook and Netflix, you can find them in the help center. The help center actually involves these two websites and also for the rest of the companies like Google, Airbnb, and TikTok. They're very granular and you will be able to find all the details that you're seeking for. Everything is public, so we can access this and afterwards work on it.
Yeah, so the policies are definitely there for the people to read, understand and know what they're doing. How do you learn and grow your knowledge about what's going on and what steps to be taken next when you are probably thinking to expand scope in terms of policies or craft a policy for a certain use case or a country or something like a group? What, what goes in your mind or what goes in the process? It's actually a very simple method. You need to be able to connect with your community. You need to be able to understand what are the things that your community is concerned about. Take all this information, put it down in a very digestive way, and afterwards try to make some connections between the information that these people provided to you. Then you need to start building a business case of, okay, I saw this, this is something we are carrying. I would like to take this forward and partner up with the relevant teams that would bring a solution in a larger scale. Deep inside, I'm still an engineer. Like I'm still focusing on what is the data and what are the things that I have in my hands. And taking this experience, I'm trying to translate it into something a bit more strategical, but also it has this um, information that is going to be translated in numbers. Absolutely, I agree with what you said and appreciate the perspective that you hold about. You have worked with the social media and working with social media also bring one of the major challenges, hate speech and misinformation. So can you shed some light on how the social media culture is evolving based on the current situation? This is a great question. Actually, hate speech was one of my areas of focus while I was working at Facebook for almost four years. It, it's a matter that is very dear to me because I've observed that, especially in the community that I was coordinating, I could clearly observe a polarization. There were certain momentums like the refugee crisis or the Macedonian dispute that we had the NAMI convention with a neighboring country. These were some events that essentially triggered uh, very diverse opinions and afterwards led to kind of extreme phraseology and attacks between people. So it's a theme that is kind of being observed all over the world. It's not just happening in Greece, but that was my data point. And as I mentioned before, since I wanted to have a starting point, Greece and Cyprus were these two countries that I was focusing on, collecting data and afterwards seeing what were the things that were missing from our policies. Uh, it, didn't necessarily have to be, for example, about the Greek community or Greeks attacking each other. It could be something bigger. For example, while I was working at Facebook, I noticed that uh, women were being compared with kitchen appliances. Of course, that was something that was supposed to be humoristic which was not the case. We saw that actually being used as a phrase multiple times in Greece and outside Greece. And one of my proposals for policy changes was to essentially ban this, uh, like make a policy decision to remove the content of women being compared with kitchen appliances. Especially when I was saying, for example, women being compared with dishwashers that was 
that was brutal. So you understand that you might even make small changes in the policy, but still the impact that you're going to have is going to be quite big because the company is quite big. And afterwards, once you're making global changes, these changes are going to be applicable for everyone. That was something shocking. Sentiments are a personal thing to everyone. What are some of the pointers that you would suggest from your experience that flags to identify I'm getting older driven in the wrong space and I should step back? Of course, all social media have been built under the idea that people should openly share their opinions and nobody's actually blocking them for doing so. However, being respectful towards everyone and not try to attack someone even implicitly or explicitly should be something that people should be mindful of. Of course, everyone has a different approach, different tone, different language, but I would say the same thing that my mom would tell me. Be respectful to the other person and talk the exact same way that you would want someone else to talk to you. Her advice from back then is still applicable in this case. It's amazing. We got to know about your mom's perspective as well. You have been actively donating funds and creating fundraiser for various good causes. So what piece of advice would you like to convey for our audience? I believe that by making these donations and organizing fundraisers is another way to contribute to society. And not necessarily society, but also humanity in the future, because things can also change by yours, even really small contributions. I feel that two subjects are really dear to me. One is hate speech, as I mentioned before. It's something that I was exposed while I was working at Facebook, but I still find that it's a matter that I would still give an honorable fight, even on an interpersonal level, but also gender equality. Gender equality is something that I am personally affected as a woman and it's something that I would like to be able to empower other women to speak up by making these small donations. At least I know that this is going to help other women that are now trying to join the workforce or trying to have equal salaries with their uh, colleagues. There is so much work that needs to be done for both of the subjects, not just the second one, but someone needs to make the first step. I completely agree. We need to take action. So what other topics do you think need to be highlighted or brought to people's attention to make culture better and spread awareness? Well, the thing I would like to say is that everything starts with our education how well we know ourselves and how we want to contribute to the larger picture. The newer generations need to understand that if you want to have a successful path in life, it's not necessary that you need to indulge to the pressure that you're having from your family or your surrounding circle of people. That they tell you in order to succeed, you need to do engineering or you need to do medicine. You need to do whatever you enjoy doing. These might be, for example, engaging more into political sciences or investing time in becoming a psychologist or if you want to focus more on literature. Everyone has a unique path. In order to be able to contribute to the larger picture, 
You need to be able to share your unique thoughts. This is where it starts, even with the policies. You need to be able to detach yourself with the actual job and be able to connect the dots and see the big picture. What a good realization. Tell us about an unforgettable experience from your journey. Since 2016, I'm living abroad. I moved actually from Athens to Dublin. And this year, during the pandemic, I moved from Dublin to Amsterdam. It was actually a great decision to do that. But the thing I wanted to mention is that Greece has been always very close to my heart. And I'm following the news and all the political landscape in the country very, very thoroughly. One of my first projects when I was at Facebook was essentially to take to build a business case to ban a political party that was in the parliament. And unfortunately, they were neo-Nazis. Maybe this idea or ideology is not that familiar to you, but Europe, of course, has suffered a lot from Nazis in the past. And essentially continuing this horrible tradition of bringing Nazis and having them at the moment in 2020, this is not something acceptable. So one of my projects was to build a business case to ban this from Facebook in that specific region, but also globally. And that was something actually that back then it wasn't aligned with the government's decision because we could have really clear signals that these people that they were representing the party were supporting openly Hitler and uh, Nazi Germany or Mussolini, but well, the government was not up to speed with all the involvements and all the projects and the progress that we had in social media. In general, social media, they have a different speed. Everything goes super fast. Things are evolving very, very fast. Everything can erupt from one minute to another. So I took the decision to ban the party, ban all their presence. So they were not able to post anything, have zero presence in that uh, social media and also after a while twitter took the same decision so they followed the same example i think youtube did a similar thing so you could see that this decision became an avalanche in the rest of the tech companies i'm really glad for taking this decision because this year essentially it was a lawsuit against that party that party is called golden dawn i'm not sure whether you're familiar with the name but they were imprisoned. That was the outcome from the legal case against them, especially the founders of the parties. They're going to be in prison for 15 years. So I feel that I worked on something that had a big impact because essentially it was a big milestone for the tech companies to take a really bold decision and not allow this type of uh, ideology to be present. I was very glad that other tech companies copied what we did. And I'm so glad that we're finally aligned with the government. It was kind of the moment of truth for everyone. That was a result of it. It takes a lot to put on battles like that. We'll also like to know how's your career experience in terms of living at different places, looking at the professional culture, looking at the countries throughout the journey. How was your vision versus how's the reality, especially since also the pandemic is uh, disrupting our lives? That's a great question. All of the countries that I've lived in are very different. I know that we all fall under the EU umbrella, 
but this doesn't necessarily mean that all EU countries are the same. Each country speaks their own language, they have their own culture, their own background and history. So when I was living in Greece, of course, I was in my comfort zone. I knew how people were operating, I knew how, how what was the status quo, how to build up something there. When I moved to Dublin, Ireland, of course, the mentality is different. It's much different than my home country. Um, I would say that the country's culture is lovely. Irish people are very friendly, they're very helpful. Um, of course, this is a great thing when you don't have a really good weather because the weather in Ireland is notorious for not being good. And it was a great thing that the Facebook culture was essentially like having a good life in that country. So I would say that apart from the country's culture, there is also the company culture that nourishes you and nurtures you when you're working in that place. So definitely when I moved to Ireland, it was a great experience. I was, I was feeling a bit spoiled with the good food that they, they provide in these big tech companies and those were the good times before COVID. However, I felt at some point that I was kind of expecting more. Like in general, I'm a person that has a mentality, okay, I saw a problem, I analyzed the problem. What can we do about this problem so that I don't want to see it again? I don't want to see any problem again. So my mentality is to be a bit more proactive and create strategical frameworks in order not to fall in the same place again that you have to do so much preparation and so much work to resolve it. And that's why I felt that especially with Facebook, I wasn't really aligned with the culture of proactivity. I felt that unfortunately, Facebook was a bit reactive. There were so many PR fires, things happening in the press, so much scrutiny. I understand that you cannot really manage to be ahead of time for all of these things. But I believe that the company could have been a bit more strategic to avoid certain, certain scenarios that have backlashed really badly at Facebook. On the other hand, Netflix has a brilliant culture. And I think, of course, when I moved from Dublin to Amsterdam, I haven't really explored the city because of the restrictions, because of the lockdowns. But the country's culture, along with the company's culture, they blend very nicely because especially on Netflix, there is this culture of giving candid feedback. So at any point you can challenge whoever. It can be your boss. It can be your boss's boss. There is no hierarchy. So once you see that something is not really working or you disagree or you want to challenge this or you want to work on something else, there is the culture of giving candid feedback. And I see that especially in Amsterdam, uh, where Dutch people uh, are living, there is also this candid feedback. They're very straightforward. They won't really try to please or polish things or try to imply things. They're going to be very explicit. They're going to say what they have to say. And something I personally enjoy, I think I find cultural similarities between Netherlands and Greece. That's lovely to hear. So you have been to a lot of different countries, you have met a lot of people. 
you have seen the blended culture among netflix and facebook so what do you think about how feedback is important to growth feedback is necessary feedback is essential if you want to improve yourself if you don't receive feedback you won't be able to spot your blind spots like we all have some area in our brain that we think that things go well but we cannot really be objective we have our own blind spots so we need someone else to tell us about these blind spots because that's the only way that we can finally see them and then take actions to improve them so feedback is great and candid feedback and giving feedback on the spot it's even better because especially there is this process at facebook and google and other big companies amazon to have per performance reviews every six months you need to give feedback to colleagues you're going to receive feedback from colleagues and then your manager is going to represent you and is going to make an assessment of work like whatever you've done in the past six months I find that this is not really working for my case because six months is a long time. Even three months is a long time. When something is kind of burning or has happened, you need to be able to address it on the spot. And you need to be able to say your mind, speak your mind, but at the same time, give some time for the other person to like take this feedback and improve. If you wait for six months and you don't really provide this feedback in a timely manner, how can you expect the other person to improve? Correct. I absolutely agree. So, yeah, you have worked with lots of women empowerment activities. So what is the one strong message you want to give to the women folks out there that related to diversity and inclusion? I love this question. I love this question. So the thing I would highly recommend is to not wait for the others to empower you. You need to do it yourself. You need to be able to stand up for yourself and you need to think a bit like a man, what a man would do. For example, I was very surprised that the first time that I worked for a big company and I went to Facebook, I negotiated for my salary. And my manager, when I, after I joined, he was actually surprised that I was the only person from my team that I negotiated. And he also added up the element of me being a woman. And I was very surprised. This is something that perhaps a man would do, but I wanted to do it myself. Like I feel myself equal. I feel myself equally empowered. This is what I'm trying to show to the rest of the people around me. I'm starting by leading by example within my team, within my network of people. And by, for example, having this podcast, I want to pass this passion. I want to pass this information. I want to pass this context that I have and show that every woman is able to do whatever she has in her mind without any barriers. We're actually putting the barriers to ourselves. Oh, wonderful message. Thank you. Thank you for this lovely chat. Thank you, Irene, for joining us. That's a wrap of another insightful episode on the Ninja Talks podcast. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Follow us on Insta, Twitter, and LinkedIn at the rate The Ninja Talks. Till then, signing off. Mm -hmm.